Welcome to evening worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. We're so glad you're able to tune in and be a part of listening and hearing God's words preached and taught. You know, preaching and teaching is a spiritual gift from the Lord. He, God calls and raises up men to teach God's people. So you always want to be able to sit under the teaching and preaching ministry of a pastor. And it's a blessing to be able to called to be called to, to be a preacher week in and week out. And I share that because this is the first Sunday night here in September. Next Sunday night, that is September 13th, we do not have an online service. You say, preacher, why not? Because we are having a church picnic. I want to invite you to. If you feel comfortable, it's going to be right out here. It's going to be at 5 o'clock. That's our church restart family picnic. You're going to want to come have a great time, uh, see some folks. Again, you can wear your mask, you need to wear your mask, practice your social distancing, and just, um, you know, it's just a good fall event. I think it's something our church needs, the community needs it. Um, it'd be very fun, very casual, uh, no, no commitment needed, but I think you will enjoy that. So that is next Sunday night. That is Sunday, September 13th at five o'clock. So that's where we will be inviting you to instead of inviting you to worship with us online for that. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Job. Job chapter four. Say, Pastor, what's going on in the book of Job? You are listening to the third part of the sermon series here on suffering. Many folks are suffering. Many folks are hurting right now. And we need to know what God's word the scriptures say about suffering. And I believe this message is for you. I believe how we understand suffering, how we respond to it, is central of, is with our identity and our commitment to the Lord. So it is. It is Labor Day weekend. We are here studying and teaching God's Word. Job 4, 7 through 9. Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Where have the honest been destroyed? In my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble reap the same. They perish at a single blast from God and come to an end by the breath of his nostrils. Look at verse 8. This is a man named Eliphaz. He's a friend of Job. Job has passed the first and the second test. The devil came to test the Lord, to try to get Job to curse God and die. Job did not do that, even though his wife was even encouraging him to do so. But Lephez, he has three friends. This man comes, and it says for one week he didn't even recognize Job. And he sat there, and he shared, Job, do you know why this is happening to you? In verse 8, he says, because those who plow injustice and sow trouble reap the same. Job, the reason you have trouble in your life, 
The reason these tragic things are going on is because you deserve it. Now, I have here on the screen. When suffering comes upon us, what do we do? You're wondering. Here you are. You're hurting. You're suffering. You're wondering. What is going on? There's basically two types of answers that we are told. First is what we call the traditional religious answer. And this is found in other religions as well. It's not just in Christianity. But that's what Elep has gave. He said, you must have done something wrong. If I have a car wreck driving home tonight, I've done something wrong. I need to repent of my sin. I need to turn to the Lord. If tragedy, cancer, bad events happen financially to me, what does that mean? It means I haven't been tithing. It means I need to repent of a certain sin. It meant I did something. And therefore, this has occurred. Alright, that's the traditional religious answer. That's not scriptural, I'm going to show you, but that is what a lot of folks, possibly even you've been taught, you've learned. There's another answer. That other answer is what we would call the secular answer. It's the secular answer. A good God would not allow this. So he doesn't exist, or he's cruel. Like, could you imagine a God allowing this tragedy, Job, to come upon your life? Could you fathom someone who's so faithful to the Lord, who God had blessed with ten children to lose them all, to lose all his ox, oxen and animals, his house? God did this. And secular people will blame God, if they believe in God, for suffering. He allowed it. So therefore, if that's what God is, I don't want anything to do with him. There's no God, or he's just he's cruel. God killed my son. God won't help me lose my wife. God won't free me from this addiction. Many folks, they're going through life, and they're angry with God because of what has happened. They need someone to blame, and God is always right there to blame. And they do that. Job did not blame God. That's what's amazing about the book of Job. Job teaches us so much rich theology on the doctrine of God. And that's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to see this. Job, Job's friends are basically saying, Job, you wouldn't be suffering unless you failed to pray, unless you failed to obey the Lord. God would never be so unjust to allow this to happen unless you deserve it, Job. I mean, it's your fault. Look what Elihah says in verse 8. From my experience, this is what we call poor counsel. From my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble reap the same. That is what Elihah is telling Job. That is what we call the traditional religious answer. You do something the bad, you plow injustice, you reap injustice. You're dishonest, 
people are dishonest with you. If you're disobedient to God, God is going to disappoint you. But that's not what we're going to see here in the scriptures. Say, why not, Pastor? I want to tell you why. Um, we, don't, we don't have time to turn there, but you can reference this. Genesis 3.16 tells us, as a result of the fall, God allowed thorns and thistles to come out of the ground. Did you know that? Now, if I plant a garden, and I'm in the woods, or if I get by, bit by a mosquito in the backyard, did that, did that thorn, did that thistle, did that, did that mosquito look at me and think, I wonder if he's a believer? No. Sinful world. I could be hit by a drunk driver just as much as a lost man. I could plant a garden and weeds could come up and thorns and thistles and I cut my hand, prick my hand on that just as much as a lost man. The, 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 when it rains, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. You can be a sinner. You can be a lost soul and still go plant a vineyard, go plant a garden, and it rains and you have a great crop. You won't have a spiritual crop. You'll have a great produce crop. And you can make lots of money. You can be totally lost and make boatloads of money your entire life and live without the Lord. Because why? Because when it rains, God allows the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The thorns and thistles come up for the righteous and the unrighteous. And I think we have to remember this. This reminds us the theology behind this is we live with unrighteous people in a fallen world. So wherever you go, here in Lexington, we are in a fallen, sinful world. There will be injustice. There will be disappointments. There will be crime. There will be hatred. There will be people who just do not... Uh, they're, they're, they're lawless. They're, they're not on board with anything in the world. They're against everything. But then there will be others that are righteous, maybe such as you, and you're trying to serve and live for the Lord. And we're reminded of this. We have to always look at suffering in, in the lens, through the lens of we're in a fallen, sinful world. I will suffer. I will experience tough times not because I'm saved, not because um, Jesus died for me, but because we're, we're, we're in a fallen world. Everyone around us suffers at some point. Everyone dies, no one but Jesus and Enoch and Elijah. Those three guys were called up to heaven. That's it. Everyone else has experienced the sting of death. Now, go back to Job here. You know, one of the things we have to remember, turn over to um, Job chapter 6. We're going to read here in a second. We're going to look at Job's response. 
And one of the things we have to remember, and I think this is important for us understanding how to, how to comprehend, how to deal with suffering. We cannot put God on a leash. Meaning, meaning if I obey, then he has to do this. If I disobey, then I get this. This moralistic religion doesn't work for us. A domesticated view for God is wrong. You can't view God that way. And Job understood this. Job realized he, he's the one on a leash, not God. Good and bad comes from God. He is the author and the perfecter of everything. He allows suffering in difficult days in our life, allows us to go through that with the, per with the purpose of perfecting and drawing us closer to him. All right? Say, Pastor, illustrate this. I will. Job chapter 6. Look here in your Bibles. Look at Job's response. Job answered, If only my grief could be weighed and my devastation placed with it on the scales, for then it would be outweighed the sand of the seas. This is why my words are rash. He goes on to say, Surely the arrows of the Almighty have pierced me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are arrayed against me. Job's realizing, hey, I've been pierced by the Lord. The Lord, it hurt. Suffering hurts. It's not because the scales were against me. God allowed this to happen. The scales would say, you do something good, you get good. You do something bad, bad comes. No, this isn't some karma world Job's talking about. Everything comes from the Lord. All right, now skip down to verse 14. Look at this. Look what Job says. A despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends. So Elaphez was not that way. Even if he abandons the fear of the Almighty. So even if a friend does not fear God, they still should honor and respect their friend because they are their friend, even if they don't agree with what what they believe. My brothers are as treacherous as a wadi, as a stream, as seasonal streams that overflow. Job just said, guys, y'all are my friends. You laugh past and you show up with your two other friends. And y'all sit across from me and you're blaming me for all the suffering I've experienced. He said, he's saying, guys, I'm innocent. I've clean hands. The scales were not weighed against me. There's no sin in my life. I cannot think of anything I've done that would deserve me losing my entire family and every single thing I own and having sores from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Y'all keep saying I'm a sinner. You keep saying I'm guilty. You keep saying this. But point out, where is it? Job is saying, I have, a clean, I have clean hands and a clean heart. God pierced me. It hurt. Guys, y'all say you're my friends, but you come over here, and all you do is blame me for the problem. But you can't point out any mistake. You can't show anything I've done. 
And what Job's saying is, if you were really my friend, if we were close to each other, what you should be doing, what you, sh- what you should be directing for, even though you might not agree with me, you should be here to comfort me and encourage me. But instead, it's like you're just streams of overflowing water rushing down, causing havoc. Meaning, you have not been very helpful. Let's keep going. Look at verse 24. Look what it says here. Job says, teach me and I will be silent. Like, show me. Show me my mistake. Help me understand what I did wrong. How painful honest words can be. But what does your rebuke prove? Job's saying, I've got the honest words. You're rebuking me, but you can't show or prove anything. It's almost like, have you ever been accused? Have you ever been innocent and someone accused you of doing something? Even something simple. You're saying, prove it. Show me what I did wrong. Show me the error, the mistake. That's what Job is telling his friend. He understood that his view from God, from suffering, is that the good and bad comes from the Lord. He just trusts the Lord. Laphaz has a view from the Lord that it's a moralistic view. You do bad things, you get bad things. You do good things, you get good things. In fact, look up here. This is moralistic religion. I want to illustrate this because I think this moralistic religion is all around us here in our country. Number one, this moralistic religion, it's false. Say the right words. You go around and say the right prayers, the right words, go to confession. It's this works-based, I've just got to say this, I've got to chant this, I've got to do this. It's like, have you ever seen a baseball player? Some of them, they go up there and they basically touch different parts of their body before they pick up, it's like this ritual, before they pick up the bat and swing it. Or they might kiss their necklace for good luck. And they, they, they have this attitude, if I do this, if I wear them, my lucky pair of underwear, my lucky shoes, good things will happen to me. That's moralistic religion. That's this yin-yang world where you do the right things, you get the right things. Not only do you say the right words, you straighten up and confess. I mean, you just need to live right. You confess what you're doing wrong, you straighten up, start living the right way, and, you, and good things are going to happen. And then, number three, if you return to doing the right things again, you'll be okay, guaranteed. That is a humanistic, moralistic religion. Do the right thing. Make the right choices. Confess, straighten up, and you'll be okay. The problem with that, it's not guaranteed. Nowhere in the Bible are we promised this happy life if we do the right thing. The right thing for us as believers is to trust Jesus We cry and call out to Him. We make Him our Lord and Savior. And He saves us for an eternity. That is the right thing to do. And I think what 
what we have to, we, have, we can't think this way. The health, the wealth, prosperity gospel, other religions, uh, civil religions, moralistic religion, politics religion, all of that is false. Jesus is crying and saying, come to me. Just behold me. I make you righteous. I am with you. I do not forsake you. I never abandon you. We realize our eternal security, our eternal hope is found in Jesus. And we rest in his bosom. He holds us close. That's what we learn from Job. Despite all the suffering, despite all these setbacks, Job remained faithful to God. All right, I have one more scripture passage I want us to read. I want you to flip over. If you have your Bibles, if you're at home, turn to 2 Corinthians. I know you're not, I know you're at home because you're not here at the sanctuary right now. So you must be at home watching, listening to this, or on a podcast listening to it. I do hope you, um, if you're not able to listen to this on Sunday nights, I hope you always take the time to go back and listen to it. Pull out your Bible. Listen to God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6-10. I want to read this scripture because I believe Paul experienced something very similar than Job. He also had the right understanding of suffering and setbacks. He knew what it was like to have a thorn in his flesh. For I won't, for if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool, because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me. So Paul's saying, if I wanted to boast, I could, but I'm not. Verse 7, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Paul received a thorn in the flesh. Somehow, he had some type of disability. He had some type of reminder. He had some type of struggle, limp. We don't know what it is. You can guess and predict. If you read Bible commentaries, every different preacher and Bible teacher will give you a different answer. I tended to believe, you ask me my answer, say, what's yours? I would say Paul had poor eyesight. Paul struggled with his vision. He could have had a limp. He could have had a stutter. We do not know. But there was something that caused him to be reminded that he had this thorn. He, it weakened him. It reminded him where he came from. And he believed God allowed him to have this thorn in the flesh for the very purpose so he would not get prideful and exalt himself. How easy would it have been for Job, the wealthiest man on earth at this time? He has such a large family, such big barns, wonderful harvest, all these animals, ox, Donkeys, sheep, goats. And just like that, they were gone. 
he could have easily looked out at what he owned one day and got prideful and exalted himself and says, you know, I really built this because of my hard work and my advanced wisdom and my good business skills and my great negotiation and my insightful farming ability. I've really made a name for myself in the land of ooze. But Job did not do that. He viewed everything he had from the Lord. God gives and God takes away. Paul could have been cocky and arrogant because he was smart, he was wise, he was skilled. God used him as the missionary to the Gentiles, but he had a thorn in his flesh. He had poor vision. Something was there to remind him. Paul, I'm going to humble you. Don't ever forget where you came from. You're a nobody. All you are is an instrument. Do you know, before, before God called Paul, do you know Ananias, the guy who's going to call Paul, and give him his sight back. Paul was completely confused. He was there in Damascus. And Ananias was told by the Lord to go to Straight Street. In Acts chapter 9. And to go talk to Paul. And put his hands in. To help receive his sight. God told Ananias that he would be his chosen instrument. To take the gospel to the Gentiles. What's so powerful about this passage. Ananias knew about Paul's mission before Paul did. He knew about his calling and purpose. And I think the principle for us, Paul was, he never got over that. Keep going here in this passage. Verse 8. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. Lord, whatever this is, help it leave me. This thorn in my flesh, I don't want it. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast gladly all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Paul realized he was going to boast more because Jesus made him weak. He boasted in his weakness. What brought him to his knees, what brought him down, helped push him forward. Instead of having this moralistic religion saying, God, this is your fault, this thorn in the flesh. I can't produce it 100% because I have a limp. I have poor vision. It forced him to rely more upon Christ. Don't waste your suffering. God, what is God allowing you to go through so you can become dependent upon Him? What pain right now are you experiencing with a greater purpose to draw you closer to the cross? What is your thorn in your flesh? What are you pleading with the Lord three times? At some point, you just have to stop and accept it. Say, God, this is who I am. This is how you made me. This is my lot in life. I'm yours. Any, I'll give you anything. I'll give you everything. There's certain things that the Lord wants us to accept and we move forward. And the attitude you should have is difficult times. Look at this. 
and difficulties. What are difficulties for? They're for the sake of Christ. God wants your difficult days to be used to draw you closer to Him. When you're weak, you're actually strong. That is the message of suffering. If Job agreed with his friends, you know, his friends come to him and blame the problem on him. I have this last quote up here. If Job agreed with his friends that his punishment or this correction he needed was for some specific sin, Job would have missed the real purpose of what he was going through. If he would have bought the lie that, hey, I needed to search deeper. There's got to be something that I have caused this pain and suffering to come upon me. That's moralistic, this humanistic, relig traditional, religious way, the real purpose that God was doing in Job and in Paul's life is to weaken these men for the sake and the greater purpose for them. Job said it when he says, should we not accept the good and the bad for the Lord? The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul says, God allows me to go through these difficulties with the purpose of knowing Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Difficulties, hard times, sufferings, bring us, draw us closer to the Lord. And if that's you tonight, you're listening to this, and you're wondering, why, Lord? Why am I having to experience this? What are you trying to teach me? Quit asking for God to remove it, like Paul did three times and accept it from the Lord. Start looking for the opportunity. God is in our difficult, tough times. We need to accept it. We need to receive the good and the bad. Listen, you're saved. You could have the worst life here on earth, and your next breath when you die is your first breath in heaven in glory. With, with Jesus. Now, for many of us, God, he blesses us. God wants you to be a channel. God gives you resources and finances so you can bless other people. God gives us this wonderful church, which we love, which I love, for a greater purpose to reach our city, to reach college students, to reach children, youth, senior adults, families with the gospel, to be able to come here freely, with Bible-believing teaching. Something you can't find today a lot. How exciting is it to be able to come to church and have a pastor say, Thus saith the Lord. And not telling you the local news or telling you how to be a good moral person. Moral religion is do good, good things happen. Do bad, bad things happen. Biblical religion is God. He makes the thorns come up. He makes the rain fall. We 
live for Jesus. When bad times come, and they came even to Jesus, do you know his, his mission was actually dying on the cross? That was probably difficult for God, knowing where he was going. Tonight, I want you to look at your suffering, your struggles, your addictions, your sin. And I want you to accept that is your life. That's what God's allowing you to pass through. You need to ask the Lord to start using your suffering, your difficult days, for gospel nourishment that you draw closer to the Lord and for gospel advancement. Meaning, you're nourished. Job knew the Lord. His friends did not help. But he had a rock-solid foundation in Jesus and God. And then he was able to advance the correct teachings to his three friends. And God blessed him. We're going to see later on at the end here. His later days. I want God to be able to bless you. I want God to be able to use your suffering to receive nourishment and advancement. Don't waste your suffering. If you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, God's allowing you to go through difficult days, tough times, for the purpose for you to get saved. Don't you bow your head and pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I'm having difficult days. Lord, you know my suffering. Save me. Make me new. Forgive me. Lord, I pray from this day on, I'm yours. Jesus, forgive me. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Happy Labor Day. That's tomorrow. Hope you had a wonderful derby day here in Kentucky. If you're here in Kentucky, that was yesterday. It's Labor Day weekend. Remember, next week, we are not meeting online. We're meeting in person at 5 o'clock for the picnic. I want you to come. Even if you just come for a little while, wear your mask, you'll have a great time. I want to hear from you. Fill out our connection card. Reach out to me. Let me know how I can pray for you. We have staff meeting every Tuesday morning. You couldn't have a better church staff. You know, I've added up the years of experience here with our church staff. It's like 150 years. Like the wisdom, the knowledge of our ministerial staff, even our support staff. Many, many years of, of God-called experience. You call upon your pastoral staff, your ministerial staff. We're here for you. We want to pray for you. We want to know how we can certainly serve you. God bless you. I will see you here in two weeks on Sunday nights. We'll continue our study in the, in the book of Job. God bless you.